0: What's going on? Welcome to another episode of Matt talks hemp. I'm your host Matt freshly back in Massachusetts from a trip to Colorado for NOCO very optimistic about the hemp industry going forward, specifically the industrial applications of the plant, the infrastructure, the supply chain, everything really seems to be coming together now for the fiber and grain side of industrial hemp. So That event was awesome. If you're interested in industrial hemp learning from the people who are really kind of setting the foundation in the industry, I would highly recommend you attend NOCO next year. In terms of hemp events that I've been to, it's definitely the most consolidated with people who really are making moves in the industry. So I highly recommend you check that out if you're interested in learning more about the industry or joining it in some capacity. But for this episode of Matt Talks Hemp, we have a lot of different news headlines. So I'm going to go through them pretty quickly, ranging all the way from more elementary school students consuming cannabis products, all the way to what cannabis is going to look like in the metaverse and everything that could possibly fit in between those two topics. Let's dive into it. To kick this episode off, we have two of the largest cannabis companies in the country now coming together. Cresco Labs has acquired Columbia Care for about $2 billion. They're going to be the largest cannabis company in the country based on revenue, retail store footprint, all of that. When I was at a cannabis packaging company, Columbia Care was my largest account, so they hold a special place in my heart. But this merged company now is going to be over the license limit in Massachusetts and Illinois. I'm not sure if they would be over the license limit in other states as well, So there will be some consolidation here. They will have to divest some of those assets. So it'll be interesting to see who picks those up uh, in two limited license states like Massachusetts and Illinois. Moving on, we have a quick story headlined, how taxes collected from $1.1 billion in recreational cannabis sales benefit communities. This is an article out of Michigan in 2021, I believe was the first full year of adult use sales in Michigan, and the 10% tax on recreational cannabis raised about $111 million in 2021. And in the fund that they have for tax revenue, there's currently $172 million, so they're distributing about $140 million out of this fund. 42.2 million will be going to municipalities and counties, and then both the school aid fund for K 12 education and the Michigan Transportation Fund will each receive 49.3 million. So, massive tax revenue benefits to legalizing adult use cannabis. Obviously, we all know that, something I've talked about before, but just cold hard numbers for everyone to reference and for other states to reference in the future. Up next, we have a story that is no surprise to anyone who consistently listens to these videos. We have children at a Woonsocket elementary school eating cannabis edibles. This is about 40 minutes away from where I'm living right now in Massachusetts. And it's just another situation of elementary school students getting access to cannabis edibles. So another warning, if you're consuming edibles at home and you have kids, even if they know that they're not supposed to get the edibles, sometimes kids do stuff that they know they're not supposed to do. I think that was a situation here. The kid knew that they were like adult gummies and they brought them in to give to other students. So if I had a kid, I would not want to be in the situation where my kid gives away some edibles at school to other kids who then have to go to the hospital. It's just kind of not a situation I would ever want to be in. So if you are consuming edibles at home and you have kids, please make sure you're very careful. Moving on, the next four articles are all going to be on the same topic of various states setting up new guidelines around smokable hemp, different cannabinoids ongoing, very hot topic in the cannabis industry. So we have Utah banning smokable hemp and CBD in food, and then they're punting hemp oversight to the federal government. So I think they're the sixth state to say, Hey, FDA, we want you to regulate all the, the hemp and CBD products that are available in Utah. We don't want to do it. Apparently Utah is still going to oversee the licensed hemp processors. But in terms of just products that are in the market, they're saying, hey, the feds, why don't you guys handle this for us? This law also does not ban Delta 8. The federal government also is not enforcing any of these like CBD, cannabinoid regulations. They're not really raiding convenience stores that are selling random CBD and smokable hemp brands. If you're in Utah, I still think you will be finding hemp products at gas stations based on the wording of this legislation. So moving on to the next topic, we have Texas defending a ban on making smokable hemp products. So I think it was in 2019 or 2020, Texas passed a bill prohibiting smokable hemp. Some hemp companies sued the state. It was later found to be unconstitutional. So it was removed. And now the state is going back to say, hey, we actually want to ban this again. So there's a lot of back and forth here. seems kind of complicated. um, But it's just another state that potentially will ban smokable hemp. I know there's a large community that's fighting against this in Texas specifically. So I hope everything works out, but Texas is very opposed to any industry that resembles adult use cannabis. So I think that's where a lot of this is coming from. So not super surprising coming from such a conservative state like Texas. This next article on the same topic is a state bill threatening hemp derived THC specifically in Tennessee. And so I read through this article and it seems like a pretty big hole in this bill that's being reviewed currently. So it says that it would ban the sale or possession of such products that have a THC concentration of more than 0.3% on a dry weight basis, which is already the federal legal limit for such products. So essentially this is saying the farm bill, it only talks about Delta nine. This bill is talking about any cannabinoid. But the whole problem is that they're keeping the dry weight basis. So if you have a, a brownie and it's really heavy, a couple milligrams of THC is not going to be 0.3%. So you can get like 10, 20 milligrams in this brownie and it's going to be less than 0.3% THC. It, they need to get away from this dry weight basis thing. It needs to be total cannabinoid content in a product. And moving on to the next topic, is Virginia doing something very similar to what Tennessee is trying to do? but they're doing it a little bit more intelligently Senate bill 591, which is actually heading to the governor's desk to be signed is going to permit only the state's licensed cannabis retailers to sell products containing more than 0.3% or 0.25 milligrams of THC per serving, as well as products containing more than one milligram of THC per package. If states actually want to eliminate all these minor cannabinoids that are becoming very popular very quickly, it needs to be with this type of wording. It needs to be total THC per package, not percentage weight of THC because that's not going to work because you can make a heavy edible with 20 milligrams of THC in it. So just these four states, Utah, Texas, Tennessee, Virginia, they're not the only states that are actively trying to figure out how to regulate the minor cannabinoid market that's just exploded in the past couple months. But, These are some of the um, just headlines from this week. Like every week, these states are trying to figure this out. So we'll see how this all goes. I'll, to a certain extent, keep everyone posted on what's going on in these different states. All right, we have just two more articles about regulatory updates before getting into some industrial hemp-focused and cultural news. And for this one, we have the U.S. Senate unanimously approving a cannabis reform bill, which is a research expansion act, on the same day that the House schedules a legalization vote, which is a vote on the MORE Act. So the Research Expansion Act was approved by the Senate, and it's essentially just going to streamline the application process for researchers to study the cannabis plant. And the vote for the MORE Act is going to occur next week, I believe, in the House of Representatives. It's been passed by the House once already in 2020, never saw the light of day on the Senate floor, and I think the same exact thing is going to happen. Chuck Schumer is the Senate majority leader. He has a, the ultimate say on whether a bill sees the Senate floor or not. He's been talking for months about a cannabis legalization bill that he wants to introduce. So if he has his own bill, he wants to introduce, why would he pass a different one? One weird thing about the more act, it stands for the marijuana opportunity for reinvestment and expungement act. There's a lot of different aspects of the bill that maybe I'll make a video about in the future, but one aspect of it, the last time I researched the more act, there was a piece of the bill that said all statutory references of marijuana are to be switched to the term cannabis. But the bill itself is called the Marijuana Opportunity for Reinvestment and Expungement. Why don't we just call it the CORE Act, the Cannabis Opportunities for Reinvestment and Expungement? What do you think? (laughs) I think it's a better idea, but who am I, you know? And then for this next article, we're just going to highlight the hypocrisy of the United States. So the article is headlined, Bipartisan Resolution Instructs U.S. to Influence Cannabis Descheduling from U.N. Treaty. Nancy Mace, the individual who introduced possibly the most progressive cannabis reform bill that has been introduced in history, the States Reform Act. She says many countries would deschedule cannabis and and reevaluate how cannabis is classified if the UN did so. Meanwhile, in 2020, the UN voted to remove cannabis from Schedule 4, which which is the the harshest schedule under the UN. While in the United States, cannabis is still Schedule 1, the, the harshest schedule here in the U.S., So I don't understand why we have politicians in the U.S. when they understand that the U.N. has a more progressive stance on cannabis than specifically just the U.S. does. They're asking them to go even further and just deschedule the plant while it's still schedule one here in the United States. So let's focus on descheduling in the United States first before we start virtue signaling to all other countries uh, to treat the plant the same way that we do. Kind of backwards uh, like order of operations here, if you ask me. Moving on to the industrial hemp-focused news for today's episode, we have International Hemp partnering with Heartland to develop America's industrial hemp supply chain. So International Hemp is a global leader in the production and distribution of certified industrial hemp seed, and Heartland is a company out of Michigan that we've discussed in the past that makes, basically, they make engineered hemp additives for plastic and biocomposite and stuff like that. International Hemp is going to provide Heartland with enough seed to grow at least 5,000 acres of industrial hemp one of the major things i took away from noco is that there's about to be a lot more hemp grown specifically for fiber and grain this coming year and you know we won't really know the impact of this until after the harvest and to see actually what people harvest but uh, regardless heartland planning to plant 5,000 acres for industrial applications great to see sticking on the topic of industrial hemp we have missouri awarding grants to four hemp fiber processors So the maximum award was up to $200,000 and then they required a 25% cash match by the recipient. But we have four companies, Midwest Natural Fiber, Tiger Fiber, Hemp Solutions, and Rockwater all receiving grants. So this is incredible because the whole purpose of this was to expand the fiber processing capacity in their state. And the industrial hemp markets are going to flourish in states that do things like this and welcome the market and help catalyze the growth Of the market in their specific state, so love to see this from Missouri. I was only familiar with Tiger Fiber on this list of companies, so I think these four groups are at different stages in the process. But I know Tiger Fiber has a line already installed, and they're able to decorticate. I don't know the capacity of it right now, and I don't know where these other three companies are at in the process of getting their uh, facilities set up. But regardless, love seeing state investment into developing the market in their in their own state. And speaking of funds being allocated to help the industry forward, we have a private and public partnership that has raised $2.5 million to go towards research around industrial hemp. And the initial research priorities are going to include breeding and genetics, hemp production systems, pest and disease management, novel product development and engineering, and workforce training. So I think this is going to occur in uh, various different universities across the country. I know NC State, North Carolina, uh, is going to do a lot of this research. So another important aspect of the industry, we need more money being allocated to just research, all of these different topics, if we want the industry in the United States to flourish. Moving on to a topic that cannabis consumers all over the country are paying close attention to, we have Denver approving hospitality licenses, allowing people to consume cannabis in some businesses. So essentially this is a hospitality license. So hotels, restaurants, they're going to be able to apply for this license to have a cannabis consumption area in their establishment. So in the past, private lounges were all over Colorado where you could be a member, go consume your products there. It's actually a similar thing in Massachusetts. And I'm sure in every legal market, There is private lounges because the state entities who govern cannabis markets, social consumption is typically pretty low on the list when they're getting the industry set up. So people take advantage of that by establishing private clubs. A rule last year actually prohibited all those private clubs until they could get this legislation figured out. So they just approved the first license this month. So this stuff should start opening in Colorado soon. And I'm sure you'll start seeing them pop up all over the place. And then on that same topic, we have Michigan's first ever cannabis consumption lounge approved in Hazel Park. So I'm not sure when this is going to open, but Hotbox Social is in Hazel Park, and it's a gathering space for meetings, special events where cannabis can be consumed in a safe and legal environment. So Michigan's moving forward. Massachusetts is talking about what the regulations are going to look like for lounges. Nevada is doing the same. So just as you see bars all over the place the next 10 years, I think we're going to see a rapid expansion of public consumption cannabis lounges. All right, moving on. This is the second-to-last article of today's episode. And who would have thought that I would ever reference a news media outlet called E-Wrestling News for a cannabis-related show? But anyway, we have Ric Flair, the nature boy, teaming up with Mike Tyson for New Cannabis Line. So Tyson 2.0 apparently acquired a majority stake of Ric Flair Drip. And their goal is launching a second celebrity cannabis line in its portfolio to further their house of brands. And so Ric Flair, the nature boy, limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, nature boy, whoo, is going to have some of his own cannabis edibles. Yeah, so Ric Flair is an icon when it comes to professional wrestling. It'll be interesting to see the brands that they come up with because obviously the team at Tyson 2.0, it's a solid team creating these brands. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some Brick Flair cannabis products for sure. And last but not least, we have Secret Sesh LA to launch cannabis powered NFT collection and metaverse community. So Secret Sesh is Southern California's original licensed private cannabis event producer, and they're going to create their own community, around an NFT project. This seems to be similar to what crypto cannabis club is doing, where they're partnering with real life cannabis brands. I mean, crypto cannabis club is partnered with old pal and a bunch of other companies as well. These are major cannabis brands that these NFT projects are partnering with. And so secret Sesh is saying already that um, Moxie is going to be one of the brands that they partnered with. I'm not super familiar with the industry in California, but Moxie is a brand that I'm familiar with. They're not only in California. This is a large multi-state brand um, that has a lot of brand recognition. So it's a pretty big partnership to announce out of the gate. Uh, Another company they partnered with is Green Wolf. I'm not familiar with them. Access to specific products in the real world based on your affiliation in the metaverse is something that we're starting to see. Like if you're a part of a community, whether it be an NFT or anything else, they're providing legitimate utility to cannabis consumers in the way of uh, special products that are only for them or discounts to products and things like that. So this is definitely not going to stop this trend of cannabis Web3 NFT projects. Um, so I'll continue to just quickly shine a light on them. I don't really know anything about this project. So this is not telling you to go check this out and, and buy one of these things. But if you are into NFTs and cannabis and you live in California, it seems like you should at least do some research into Secret Sash, into Crypto Cannabis Club. See if uh, you might be able to get some legitimate benefit from it. All right. That's that. That was a long episode. I wanted to make it a little quicker than that, but when I get talking, sometimes I just can't summarize everything I want to say into just 20 seconds. I need to expand a little bit, but thank you for sticking around. And if you're still watching, I appreciate you. I appreciate everyone who is consuming this content. Greatly appreciate feedback as well. If anyone has any input, Um, if you want to learn a little bit about hemp building, check this video out. And if you want to just listen to the last week's news, check this video out until next time. See you later.